let's talk about day three. Day three of the celebration obviously took place on Saturday, and it began with a panel with Bob Cavallo, who, uh, and it's the only panel on this day. I know they kind of loaded up the panels on day two, but this is the only panel that they did on this day. And Bob was really kind of uh, responsible for kind of helping Prince get situated with, you know, the whole Purple Rain scenario. And he um, he had like tons of stories to say about, you know, uh, some of the things that were happening out. He's an older guy, kind of curmudgeon um really great guy, really, really, really great guy. But he... Um, you know, he's just an older guy. You know, he's from that generation, and and he just has just you know some of the way that he says says things uh, you know, may kind of keep put people on guard a little bit. But it's it's just what it is what it is. Um, the remainder of this day, I mean, after this Bob Cavallo uh, panel, the remainder of this day was essentially going to be the Funk Soldiers concert and then another concert screening. So we only have like three things going on that are on this day. There were some notes that I took at the museum, some little tidbits that I had found that I thought was interesting that I would share. And I know a lot. some people are maybe a little bit uh, annoyed that I'm kind of going into so much detail about what's happening during the celebration. You're kind of like, you know, let, let people come and experience this for themselves. But the reality of it is, is that most people, they probably won't. If they haven't already, they're probably not going to. And I don't think that it's it's fair that, that people that maybe cannot afford to come or can't get off of work or have other commitments, prior commitments that can't make it, should be cheated out of the opportunity to kind of experience some of what we were able to experience and what we were lucky enough to experience. I'm not giving them the blow by blow. I mean, I'm giving them just some highlights and tidbits, but there's tons of moments in there that they're never going to get unless they actually go. I mean, 80% of it. So that is kind of what I wanted to do is just entice people a little bit. If you've never been to the celebration and you're listening to this, it's it's something to really experience. You really kind of get to see some in-depth things about what was going on in Prince's life and the people that were involved in Prince's life. It's really a, a fantastic opportunity. So that, that's what I would tell you. Um, so some of the things, some of the highlights from the Bob Cavallo panel, um, he was very ardent about saying how much he hated Love Sexy. <laughs> he didn't go into detail about whether or not he hated the album cover or whether he hated the music that was on it. Uh, he, he just, he just, he left it alone. He he said enough to say, I, I really hate that album. But he didn't say exactly what it was he hated uh, uh, about the album. Um, so it was the time that they their contract had run out. Cavallo and Fargnoli, they, they needed to get a new contract with Prince. And the only way that Prince would sign a new contract is if they agreed to this movie, which would be Purple Rain. And not only that they would agree to get this movie made, but also that it would say featuring Prince or it would have Prince at, at the top uh, of, you know, so it, everything had to be completely and totally all about him. Now you've got to imagine that the biggest thing that he had had going for him was 1999. There was still, now while he had had a lot of traction and a lot of success, he wasn't a household name at this point. So they had to commit to agreeing to his demands about creating this movie 
in order to get him to sign another contract with them. So he had no, they, they obviously were going to do whatever they possibly could to try to, to try to make this happen. And that was going to be the extent of, you know, that was going to be the extent of that conversation. Uh, lucky enough, uh, what I forgot to mention, Bobby Z was moderating this, uh, moderating this event. So, uh, Bobby Z was one that was asking most of, uh, uh, the questions, some little tidbits, um, he did mention that the Purple Rain intro, where we kind of were meeting all the different characters in Purple Rain, you know how if you can if you can think back to how Purple Rain starts, where it kind of shows Prince, it kind of shows Apollonia trying to get backstage, putting her foot in the door, you know that you meet Morris and Jerome and the uh, the the whole dialogue and everything that happens with the girl that confronts him and Jerome picking her up and throwing her in the trash can. And you're kind of meeting these individual characters are kind of giving you bits and pieces of building out this whole character scenario, uh, was based on the Godfather. If you can remember how the Godfather, uh, ends and how, you know, you've got all the characters that are kind of going back and forth. That's what it was based on. It was based on the ending to, um, to the to the Godfathers, which I thought was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Uh, when he was trying to get this whole Purple Rain thing off the ground, initially Warner Brothers had passed. Richard Pryor's company had passed, um, and nobody really kind of even believed in it at all until it was until it officially had launched. Um, but was funny. The funny stories that they told us that they were actually doing screen tests for Purple Rain, and they you know put a bunch of people in a room, let them watch Purple Rain, and then they kind of have them write down answers. You know, how much did you like this movie? And blah blah blah. And it was ranking so high that it was just it looked like it was fixed. And they were accusing Cavallo of fixing the audiences. Said, there's no way that this movie ranks as high as it is right now. This is ridiculous. There's no way that people like this movie as much as, as, as the results we're getting off, the, off these tests. There's no way. It's just not possible. And so they decided that they were going to do a bunch of other screen tests without Cavallo's knowledge. Because they, they just said, we think you're faking this whole entire thing. So... They ended up finding out that it wasn't being faked. Every single screen test scored the exact same way, where it was just blown through the roof. It was just fantastic. Um, but they they just they still thought it was one of those things where it's fixed. But they were real strategic about how they did things. They released the video "When Doves Cry" to um, MTV twelve weeks, so essentially three months before the release of the movie. So it got enough time to kind of build and get, uh, get momentum. And then they did, then they released let's go crazy. The video for let's go crazy on the day of the movie. So it was real strategic and how they kind of dripped things out. And of course the, um, with the MTV hype that was going kind of going on with it, it was just the perfect storm. Um, and now Bob, for those who don't know Bob, he had done so many different things. He's worked with Alanis Morissette. He's worked with Love and Spoonful. He worked with Maurice White, North Wind and Fire. Um, and there was just a whole bunch of different things that were, uh, there was a whole bunch of different things that were going on. Um, and what was else what was I had written about this? Um, he, you know, Prince had kind of studied Cavallo and watched how Maurice had put together 
the uh, members for Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, Maurice had a very, very specific idea in mind for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and how he wanted it to be represented. You know, the types of vibe that he wanted. You know, uh, you know exactly how uh, how should vocals be and you know he landed on philip bailey and he, he had a real specific vision about how he wanted earth wind and fire put together and cavallo was part of that process as well and prince had kind of watched how cavallo had kind of made that happen and taken that to fruition and that's the reason why he brought cavallo on because he wanted to do the exact same thing and that's how kind of he wanted to put together the revolution which ended up being you know bobby z and brown mark and wendy and lisa and dr fink and there was a real specific strategy to how he wanted to be able to capture the attention of each specific audience and that's essentially how it was going to be done um and he had and and cavallo had to do a lot of trickery uh, in order to kind of get Prince to work with a couple songs. Like he had told the story about 1999 that with the song Little Red Corvette, Prince was like, you know, he really likes that song, but he he wanted to give it to somebody else. And Cavallo talked him out of it. Cavallo said, no. Nobody is going to believe that that song is anybody else's. And Prince was like, what do you mean? He said, the song says, I guess I should have known by the way you parked your car sideways that it wouldn't last. You're the only one who could write a lyric like that. And Prince smiled and agreed and liked that, liked the the way that Cavallo had worded it. And so he ended up holding on to Little Red Corvette. Great idea, because it ended up being one of his biggest hits. So, you know, Cavallo was real tricky like that. He just the rest is history. Cavallo was a big part of of Prince's involvement. And uh very, very cool. Um doing the um we also did a little bit of a tour and one of the girl that was running the tour, I'm so upset. I'm sorry. I don't remember her name, but she's a huge Funkatopia fan. And when I was coming into Paisley park every morning, she would greet me. Hey, how you doing? Mr. Christopher. I'm, I'm listening. I love listening to funked up. I listen every single day. I leave and blah, blah, blah. I, it was really cool. So she was kind of giving me these little uh, tidbits that I had never heard in the tour. Matter of fact, one of the th- tidbits that she gave me, and maybe other people know this, but I, I, I don't, um, in, on the album, artificial age, if you look at the cover for artificial age, there are some circles that are behind him. And what that is, is on the wall, when you walk into, you walk in through the, the, I guess you call it like the breezeway where you kind of walk into the atrium area where the little kitchen is for those of you who have been to Paisley park and you know, they got the little kitchen there, but there's all these albums that are hanging on the wall. And one of them is the six or six or eight album. I think there's like six of them. There's six albums for Purple Rain signifying, um, you know, signifying however many were, were sold or whatever. But there's like three on one side and three on another. And they're all silver vinyl and they have the Purple Rain logos. So Prince wanted that in the background. So Prince stood in front of those albums, those silver vinyl albums of Purple Rain with his glasses on and they took the picture and then they fuzzed out that background. So if you look at the cover, album cover of Artificial Age, that is Prince actually standing in front of those silver albums 
uh, of Purple Rain, and they're just they're they're fuzzed out enough that you really can't tell what they are, but that's what they are. You can literally match it up, and you can actually see them because they've got these new glass cases in Paisley Park now that have some certain little tidbits and whatnot, and and um, it's, it was really cool. That was something I'd never known or really even paid attention to that dynamic. Some people pick up albums and they study them, and it's like, what's that? What's this? What's this? There's secrets everywhere. Secret secrets. Uh, but you know, it it's it's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Uh, then what they did was they took us actually into one of the sound studios and they played, um, they played a bunch of songs. They played for, um, that Vienna concert that we had seen previously, uh, from the other day, I guess it was day two or day one or day two. I can't remember which one. No, day two. Um, that Vienna concert, they played some other clips from that show as well. They played Forever in My Life from that show uh, where Prince was on bass. And they also played Controversy. They played 1999. And then they also showed us the promo video for the 2001 celebration that they had put together. I think they played that last year too, if I remember correctly. Correctly. And then they played another Third Eye Girl showing of I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man from Amsterdam, then followed by What's My Name, again, with the lyrics from The Sacrifice of Victor, which is something that he he loved to do uh, in that. And then they went and showed the, uh, they showed the concert screening of the show from May 28th from the Musicology Tour at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, May 28th, 2004, uh, featuring uh, Candy Dolfer on sax, uh, Mike Phillips, Greg Boyer, Rhonda Smith on bass, Renato Neto, obviously on keys, Maceo, uh, John Blackwell, well, why I said it like that, John Blackwell Jr., uh, and of course, um, he was dressed up, Prince was dressed up in this full white suit with white tassels hanging off of the sleeves and the white tassels hanging off of the back back of the pants um and uh so it's again it's the musicology tour from 2004 in los angeles um and it's a great concert video i mean it's, it's obviously a great concert video but once again as i had mentioned it's a little bit redundant for hardcore prince fans because you're listening to all of these hits over and over and over again when most of us were jonesing for for some of the deeper cuts. That's I mean that's why we're there. I mean people, the people that just listen to the hits aren't the ones that are coming to this celebration. And that, that's all I kind of wanted to reiterate uh, with that particular um, moment. But anyways, it uh, the set list was um, musicology. Let's go crazy. I would die for you. When doves cry. Nineteen ninety nine. Uh, shh. <laughs> And um, DMSR, and then Prince gets on the acoustic guitar and plays Little Red Corvette, Cream, Raspberry Beret. He plays a little bit of Jailhouse Rock, uh, and he dedicated it to Warner Brothers. Uh, then he played Twins in My Bed, which was I was kind of cool. It was a little bit that's a, a little bit way way deeper of a track. And he played Adore, uh, played Sweet Thing, Rufus, and Shaka Khan. And then played Dear Mr. Man, that was kind of mixed with Hit the Road Jack, and then into Seven. And one of the things that was funny, and, and that's how it ended, was, was Seven. But one of the things during that 
uh, concert screening was that he told a story about this uh, drunk guy that had come up to him after uh, hit one of the concerts that he did. He said some drunk guy stumbled up and he said, you're fabulous. That strawberry barrette is my favorite song. And then he just say the hello to my wife. <laughs> it's just, and it was just so funny the way that he was telling the story. He was like drunk. It was just funny how he told the story. Anyways, so that was the concert uh, screening. And and if you really kind of like seeing some of these concert screenings, that's in itself is reason enough to kind of go to this. It's it's better if you could figure out some way to own it and watch it whenever you wanted to watch it. But eventually, they will release these concert screenings, I believe. And then, of course, they closed Celebration Day 3 with the Funk Soldiers. Funk Soldiers, which consisted of, and, and it was magic. This concert, out of all the performances, I love Jesse Johnson's performance. It was fantastic. Um, one of the things I, I kind of noted about Jesse Johnson's performance is that even though it was fantastic, it did really feel like you were sitting in on a rehearsal. Uh, there wasn't any really continuity in between the songs. Just like when one song ended, he would stop and change guitars, tune his guitar, you know, kind of communicate with the other band members. It was almost like you were sitting in on a dance rehearsal, which was kind of cool. It kind of added a really kind of raw feel to it. But I, I think in a lot of cases, you know, when you're looking at the different type of ways that some shows are put together, it's really, really important that there's a lot of continuity and a flow that happens. And I just think that, you know, that really didn't have a flow. Now, we talk about the Funk Soldiers. The Funk Soldiers for the Prince Live and Concert on the Big Screen thing that happened on Friday on day two, that was all done and all choreographed with video where, you know, Prince is dancing on the screen and it's you know, it is what it is. It looks like the only thing that's missing from the stage is Prince. You know, they tried to do as much as they possibly can to pay attention to every single little detail, uh, with the exception of the drum heads. They didn't pay attention to the drum heads, but they've tried to pay attention to the dr to the detail that was going on musically, and they were playing right along with the video. And when Prince sang, it's only Prince singing, and it was just really great to kind of see it like that. The reason why I bring that up is because the Funk Soldiers then took it another level deep for their performance at Paisley Park, and they really flipped the switch. They actually played along with videos from actual music videos, and it was choreographed with what you were seeing on the screen. Now, obviously, when Prince was singing on the screen, it was somebody else singing, either Kip or, or, or somebody else, but it was still really cool to kind of see that they actually spent the time to sit down and kind of put that together and, and, and choreograph that. And it featured, uh, again, this is in Paisley Park, closing of day three, Ida Nielsen on bass, Renato Neto on keys, Cat Dyson on guitar, um, uh, Michael Herring on, uh, Michael Herring as well, obviously Fish, uh, NPG Horns were there, uh, Kit Blackshire was on, on vocals. You got Shelby J on vocals. Um, and then Chance Howard was also there. He was doing a lot of the vocals. And of course, you know, a lot of the MPG horns were there. Adrian and Sly and Keith and Len. Uh, so a lot of different things were going on. And again, uh, it started out with uh, just kind of a, a verbal intro, Prince talking, a lot of different things. And they opened up with Rock and Roll is Alive and It Lives in Minneapolis. That was choreographed with the music video. Chelsea Rogers. They moved to regular video, you know, graphics, you know, like 
Spirograph type of stuff. Uh, and they did Party Up, Black Muse, Life of the Party, Old Friends for Sale, and then a Madhouse song. I, I think it's 13. I can't remember. It's uh, the Bada Bing, all over your Ivy League suit or whatever it is. Uh, that one, uh, they opened up with that. And then they brought up this school dance troupe, uh, which was the Albert Dance Studio. And they did, they cleared the front so that the they brought out the, the Albert Dance Studio troupe, which are just a bunch of young girls. I mean, most of them, I think it was like in between 10 and, and 15, I think is what the age group is. If I had to guess how old they were, uh, they didn't say. Uh, but they danced to that Madhouse song. And it was just so cool to see it. It was just so powerful because that was a lot of the things that Prince really uh, committed himself to was doing a lot of those, uh, doing a lot of those elements. And it was just really cool to kind of see that. Um, and it was d being done. It was being choreographed with the Madhouse video for that. So it was it was choreographed with that. So it was kind of hard. You were kind of going back and forth trying to watch both. Uh, but then, of course, they went back to the video and they did. Um, choreograph the music for you make my sunshine um and then of course it went to strange relationship and then mpg horns brought out the minneapolis horns because they couldn't get all 12 of them all in the, all 12 mpg horns members in the same place at the same time so they filled it in with other members from the group called the minneapolis horns and so the MPG horns and the Minneapolis horns did Shades of Umber. So if you, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this set list, but man, what a great friggin' set list so far. We're not talking about like just hits, hits. We're talking about really cool stuff. I mean, Party Up is so far is about the most hit thing that they had. Rock and Roll is Alive in Minneapolis, Chelsea Rogers, uh, Party Up, which is one I just mentioned, Black Muse, Life of the Party, Old Friends for Sale, Madhouse, You Make My Sunshine. This not, and then Shades of Umber, it's just insane. Uh, then they went into Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, Guitar, Act of God, and then they uh, did a dance contest while playing Dance Electric. And then they kind of did a little medley that features like Days of Wild and Ain't Nobody Love And it's just a bunch of, it was just a medley. Of, um, you know, Don't you stop it. It's just a big medley of, of a bunch of different songs. And then they closed with Paisley Park. That is a set list. That is a set list that you want to do for the hardcore Prince fans. And everybody there, everybody that I saw afterwards was like, that is that is what we want. Right there, that is what we want. Paisley Park, if you're listening, that is what they want. We, we've heard Kiss a million times. We've heard Let's Go Crazy a million times. We've heard 1999. We've heard all those songs. Go, go deep. Go deep. Go deep for us. We paid lots of money. Go, go deep. Go deep. Uh, and then, of course, you know... Um, to finish off day day three, you know, one of the things, as I said, you know, we got the Prince Originals album that's coming out, um, and also the Prince Memoir that's coming out. The the first fifty pages that he wrote, and on top of that, I I, I can't remember who else was supposed to be finishing that, but that's that. Which brings us to, uh, and I don't think, which brings us to day four, the very, very last day of the celebration, which means that I think we're going to be able to get through this and have some time to open up the phone lines. We'll play a song and then we'll open up the phone lines real quick uh, and um, kind of open up the phone lines and let you guys kind of call for those who went to the celebration. Um, you know, those that went to the celebration, you can kind of call, let me hear what you think, how you feel about certain things. And, um, you know, 
just kind of um, uh, why I'm why I'm kind of yammering here is because I'm trying to find a um, I'm trying to find a trivia question here that I can ask that's not going to be way, way too difficult. I think what I was originally going to ask is way, way too difficult. For this last copy of Eric Leeds and Paul Peterson's CD, um, or their brand new CD that they uh, just released called No Words, I have one more copy here to give out, and I want to see... All right, this, this will be an easy one. This will be an easy one. During the Jeff Katz panel... They talked, uh, Jeff Katz talked about something that Prince is really, really good at that a lot of people don't know. What was it that I, that he said that Prince was really, really good at that a lot of people weren't aware of? First email that I get sent to shout at funkotopia.com, shout at funkotopia.com. The first person that can give me the correct answer to that question gets this final CD, um, for LP. All right. So let's talk about the final day, day four. We're kind of going to run through this pretty quickly uh, so that we can make sure that um, we have a little bit of time left at the end, probably at least 30 minutes, I would hope, to open up the phone lines. The phone number is 831-777-FUNK, 831-777-FUNK. The phone lines are not open right now. Just wait. I just want you to write that down for right now. I believe that's 3865 is the actual letters in case you're alphabetically challenged. 831-777-FUNK, that is what you do. So day four starts out with a concert screening from the 20 nights, 21 nights in London uh, jaunt that he did over there. This one was for the, uh, um, it's essentially the 3121 tour, but it's August 14th, 2007, and uh, featured uh, CC Dunham on drums, Renato Neto on keys, um, you know, the, the, the typical horn section of Mike Phillips, Greg Boyer, uh, the twins were there. Maceo was there. Um, uh, Hogan's on trouble. It's, 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 it's the, the typical run. Uh, the set list was short. It was it consisted of, here we go. The hits 1999 musicology cream. You got the look. Shh. Take me with you. Guitar somewhere here on earth. That's a pretty good one. Seven. And then ended with forever in my life. So that was that. Um, nothing like insanely, incredibly, you know, detailed that I have to go into with that. It's, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So let's talk about the next thing that happened on that day, which was the panel for the revolution. Obviously, the revolution being Bobby Z, Wendy and Lisa, uh, Brownmark and Dr. Fink. And um, uh, my good friend. And I do really honestly consider him a good friend. He has my phone number. I have his phone number. We go out to dinner. Uh, we 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 hang out whenever we get a chance. We talk whenever we get a chance. He's done the show many times. He's done uh, these album chats with me. Mr. Dwayne Tudal, who, I might add, uh, shared with me that um, he he's finishing his next book, so for those of you who are fans of uh, Prince on the Purple Rain Era Studio Sessions book, he's got a brand new book that's coming out that's, go that's taking place right after Purple Rain and kind of going through that whole period of, you know, I mean, some of the most fantastic work that he had, you know, the sign of the time stuff. And all. It was just crazy, the, the stuff that he has. Um, and it's a lot. And he's having to turn in most of his work, if not all of the work, by the middle of this year. And he's just like totally stressed out. So prayers up for Mr. Dwayne Tudal that he can kind of find some um, artistic room 
and uh, focus and concentration and that he's able to finish this book and and that it's and it's and that the outcome is pleasing to him and and everybody and that it's as well received as um as his previous one was uh which was phenomenal so anyways let's talk about the revolution panel Dwayne Tudal is moderating and he's uh interviewing uh him and you know he they talked a little bit about a lot of uh his first questions kind of went about um whether or not they Prince really communicated at all about uh, Paisley Park and whether you know what type of ideas he had with Paisley Park, um, and um, whether or not he talked about creating Paisley Park, and of course most people did. Um, most of the revolution said, "Yeah, he would say some semblance of it," but one of the things that they all came around is like when Prince had an idea, when he was focused on something, and he had a goal in mind, it just like materialized it always just came to fruition so if he thought if he said this is what i want this is what it's going to be it, it ended up being just that and it was amazing that he always managed to do that every single time it was he every single time he managed to do that and i, I just want to kind of pause for a second because a lot of people uh, i read a lot of business books um and one of the things that is imperative for anything if you've got a goal is is identifying in your life what that goal is focusing on it realizing and documenting the steps that it's going to take to get there and mark your achievements that are going to get you to that goal and set that goal in motion you have to write it down don't just have it oh i want to have a, a beach house by the time i retire i set the goals in motion, write them down, document them, put, give yourself timelines, give yourself deadlines and commit to making those things happen. It is so important for, and this is like the main thing for all successful people is that they all stop what they're doing and they write down their goals, where they want to get to and how they're going to get there. And, and certain points along the way that they have to achieve to acquire that goal. And as long as you have that, most of the time you will you will achieve that goal but if you don't if if you just if just rambling around your head it's just a bunch of ideas rambling around in your head you're never going to get there and that's something that that prince really firmly believed in and they nailed that point multiple times when they were talking about the revolution he would he would have a goal in his mind and it just he zeroed in on it knew the steps that he had to take to get to it and he made it happen and it happened with all throughout his entire life, and he was an ardent, ardent supporter of that practice. And it's something that we all should, should definitely, you know, should uh, focus on. Uh, I know that was kind of way out. Um, I, I don't know what I wrote here. I wrote B two's ninety percent of drinks. I don't know. I even know what the frig that even means. Oh, that's not drinks. That's princes. Oh, okay. Oh, I know what it says now. Uh, 90% of Prince's motivation for Purple Rain, I thought this was an interesting note, 90% of Prince's motivation for Purple Rain was Michael Jackson's Thriller. When Michael Jackson's Thriller came out, Prince wanted to recreate that, but he wanted, not recreate it, he, he wanted to create a film, and he wanted to do it better. And that was his motivation for Purple Rain. According, this is according to Bobby Z., um, so he was obsessed with 
um, he was just obsessed with beating it. He was obsessed with, with trying to get to that goal and then going beyond it. Um, Brown Mark also said, uh, it, it, again, these are just tidbits that I kind of walked away with. Databank was Brown Mark's song. Brown Mark was working on the song Databank in the studio and Prince walked in and said, what's that? And Brown was like, oh no, this it's gone. It's gone. He knew he had a good idea. He was working on it. He was tweaking it out and Prince caught him working on it and asked him about it. And Brown Mark was like, it, this song is gone. It's gone. It's gone. This song is now his. And uh, he heard him and he, he took it. That's kind. That's kind of how it. That's kind of how it worked. Um, And and there was like all types of things. You know, James Brown was notorious for docking the band money if they like missed a note or hit a wrong chord or you know didn't come in when they were supposed to come in or whatever. And you could watch old James Brown's videos and you'd see him dancing and he would throw his hand to the side and have like a he would like throw a five in his hand. It looks like he's just like throwing out his hand, but he wasn't just doing that just to kind of throw out his hand. He was docking the band money. So if he threw his hand out and was five, you just lost 50 bucks. And if he threw it out twice, I mean, you just lost a hundred bucks and Prince was notorious, but he would do it a little bit different. Uh, he would, you know, in the middle of a show, he would point at you. Bobby Z said he would point him and say, Bobby Z, $200. And everybody's like, hey, Bobby Z, $200, not knowing what it meant. And it basically meant Bobby Z just got docked $200 for missing a note or missing a beat or whatever it was. But he would, uh, and, and the way he would do it is he would say, turn the house lights on. And then he would point at Bobby Z and go, Bobby Z, $200. And that's kind of how he would do it. Or he would do something silly like, I got some money. And that's kind of the things that he would do in order to kind of communicate that you had just been docked. <laughs> and uh you know then of course wendy and lisa also told the story about prince not liking cats at all i i i know i just saw mary just send me an email and said prince liked cats he had a cat named paisley and blah blah blah, blah. but wendy and lisa very distinctly said that the cat would their cat would crawl up on prince's chest and he just hated cats he he told wendy and lisa to come into the room and take the cat off of him so maybe his fear of cats eventually came around where he was able to get one of his own but at the beginning, he did not like cats. Um, so they also gave Prince names. So every single time that he, he was in a certain mood, they had certain uh, notations. For instance, if he walked in a certain way and he looked like he was really moody and complaining, they say, oh, Fred Sanford's in the house. And Marilyn Monroe's in the house. Or... You know, it's just Steve's in the house. Steve was the person that they liked. The Steve was the character that they, when they, when, when Prince was in the Steve mode, Steve was the great guy. Steve was the guy who was wearing tube socks past his knees and who would just sit around and eat popcorn and watch movies and hang out and tell stories. And they loved Steve, but there were times when Fred Sanford would be there instead or Marilyn Monroe would be there instead. I assume that Marilyn Monroe would be something like a diva type of character. Uh, so uh, they had names for each one of his moods or, or characters. Um, and matter of fact, to go a little bit further with that, the cat story, uh, and 
Prince's dislike for cats. One time he went over, he was over at Fink's house and Fink's cat brought Prince a mouse. Just brought, got caught a field mouse, brought it in and laid it at Prince's feet. And Prince was freaking out. It was just like, he just had a thing about cats. Eventually, as Mary will tell you, he got over it. <laughs> it was just, he just got over it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's see who won this. Uh, Cody Breedlove. Cody, you won that LP CD. Uh, you're right. He was playing pool. That was his, uh, yes, there was, Mary said, making omelets. Mary, you were not paying attention. But yeah, there's a lot of people said uh, photography, ping pong, a lot of football, a lot of different things. No, so you guys were guessing. <laughs> Cody got it right. Cody, uh, playing pool was the correct answer. Cody, send me your uh, send me your mailing address. We'll make sure that you get uh, you get that CD. So there's that. Um, let me delete all these different things because there's just a bunch of craziness. Uh, all right. So then, uh, that's pretty much the, the the tidbits and stuff that I had uh, from the Revolution panel. And then, of course, we kind of took a little bit of a break, and then everybody came in for the Revolution to close out the celebration. And their set list was as follows: um, America, Computer Blue, complete with some bits from the the hallway speech version the poor and lonely computer so they actually incorporated some of the bits in there they also did that in their tour as well uh mountains erotic city and then uh stokely came out and did let's work and then they did let's go crazy and stokely also did uh when doves cry raspberry beret 1999 purple rain which was very highly emotional for obvious reasons and then um, I Would Die For You and Baby I'm a Star. So that was how the night ended. So here's what I can tell you about the celebration. That is all the celebration. That is my recap of the celebration. And I even talked a little bit about some of the stuff that happened outside of the celebration. Some of the Minneapolis uh, things that were going on. Um, and I think it's just, you have to experience it. If you've never experienced celebration, you have to experience it because there's something surreal about walking around and running into various members of the revolution all around town. You know, you'll see Fink walking around and, you know, there's, you know, you got, you know, Bobby Z is walking there around and there's Ingrid Chavez and you turn around, there's Dwayne Tudal and you've got Chance Howard and all these ama amazing artists that are walking around like Renato Neto and, and, and J.D. Steele is walking around. I mean, if you are a purple junkie, the celebration is definitely someplace that you need to be. And these were just kind of like little tidbits and stuff that I wrote down and set lists and things that I took. And I know that seems like it's, gosh, man, that's really friggin' excessive that you kind of went to that level of, uh, that you went to that level to, to kind of document it. But I, I felt like I had to. You know, some people were, were uh, also talking about... Um, well, what was it that um, really kind of stood out to you as far as um, merchandise is concerned? They did have some really cool merchandise, but what was really neat is that some of the leftovers and things that they had from various tours, like Prince and Third Eye Girl actually had a tour, uh, and they had some shirts that were left over from that tour that they actually brought into the Paisley Park storefront. And they, uh, again, they brought out the, the fence out front uh, from the initial fence when people came and put up various 
uh, items on the fence. They brought that out. So if you wanted to add stuff to it, you could add stuff to it uh, and all that. So it was it was just really, really cool. I think that uh, you have to experience it. You, you really honestly have to experience it. And uh, so what we're going to do now is I am going to play a very short, brief song, not something very, very long, not, not something long at all. I will find some song that is uh, less than... Um, right around the three minute mark and i'm trying to think of uh i don't know how this will be received we're going to play thieves in the temple right now and then after thieves in the temple i'm going to open up the phone lines so you guys can call in and kind of uh communicate with me about some of the things that you like some of the things that you didn't like um this is going to be a sounding board of sorts for all of you so we're gonna play thieves in the temple right now and then when we come back we're going to be opening up the phone lines for you to call in. You're going to have, well, it's going to be pretty cool. You're going to have about 40 minutes of chat time. So if you feel like you want to call in, this is a perfect time to do it. It's Thieves in the Temple right here on Funked Up. And then when we come back, the phone lines will be open. 831-777-FUNK. You can go ahead and call in, but it's going to be a couple of minutes before the phone lines are actually on. So get ready. Here we go.
Funkatopia Live, Mr. Christopher here with you. And yes, we actually have open phone lines right now. So if you want to call in and talk a little bit about the celebration, you guys are still buzzing on the celebration, feel free to call in. The number is 831-777-3865-777. Again, the number is 831-777-FUNK. That's right, 831-777-3865 or FUNK. 777-FUNK, it's fine. Uh, and I'm, I'm really curious about, um, you know, and I really, it's always dependent when we do these uh, open phone lines. We, oh, it's always very, very dependent on um, folks, whether or not they're in the mood to call or not. Some people, just, you just kind of just like to listen and they don't like to call. So we'll, we'll see exactly where you guys are at and it's perfectly fine. Uh, but I'm really kind of curious about, you know, if, if you went to the celebration, what were some of the things that you liked? What were some of the things that you did not like? Uh, what were you feeling? What were you not feeling? Uh, if you didn't go to the celebration, why didn't you go to the celebration? Is there something specific that you want to see that's going to, you know, that's going to flip that switch for you and make you go uh, you know paisley park actually does i know people at paisley park that listen to the show so you know if there's something that you want to get off your chest this is the time to do it probably because uh, i know they probably will definitely listen to that to kind of see what i say what you say and kind of make some decisions moving forward we do actually have a caller let's go ahead and get and it looks like it is a georgia uh, a georgia number on the phone who is on the line Mr. Christopher, you know it's me from Atlanta, Cassandra Bradley. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. How are you? All I... right. Are you tired of me hugging you? I hugged you for six days the whole time I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so I see you got back okay. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I'm sleep deprived. Uh, I just want to say to all the listeners out there how privileged we are in the Atlanta area to be represented by you and, and Kanisa. I know there's a strong uh, Oakland Bay uh, presence there. There's a strong New York presence, but I, I feel so privileged to have you there representing us uh, and giving your blow-by-blow blow of what happened. And, and I appreciate it very much. Oh, well, thank you so much. Was there anything that, um, I, I definitely appreciate all those kind of words. Is there anything you feel like I left out? Like you were like, oh, you should have mentioned this because this really stuck out to me. Was there any moments that really, really struck out to you and you, you thought, man, somebody should, should mention that? Yeah, I'll touch on the Jesse Johnson. I really feel that he needs to be invited back. I feel that... He did the apology tour. That's what I'm going to call it. He did it well, but I want him to come back and enjoy himself. He seemed kind of restrained. Um, he, 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 oh my God, if you have not seen this man's guitars, he has the sexiest guitars I've ever seen in my life. And he made that woman scream. Oh my God. Um, other than that, I did the VIP. This was the first year I did the VIP and to literally be able to hear how Prince, um, would record his vocals, run to the next room, do the drums, all of that. And to hear it the way he heard it before it was mixed, before the engineers mixed it, I just broke down crying. Uh, that that was just amazing. Um, Revolution, I'm with you. 
I saw them in 2017. They were not so much as in sync. And by the time Stokely hits the, the stage, the energy level just, um, it just goes through the roof. Um, you can't say enough about uh, MPG and the horn section. Every year, they literally steal the show. And so, like you said, I hope Paisley's listening because they run away with it, hands down. Hands down. And oh my God, I acted a fool and lost my mind on all the parties that happened afterwards. I typically don't dance, but I've been captured on film and it's not good, I'm telling you. (laughs) Don't sell yourself short. I saw some I saw some pretty ridiculous things out there, but you know, the the whole time I'm I'm there, the those parties are really the only thing that I can really enjoy and, and sit down and kind of take in. And um yeah. One, I was actually, I actually got to enjoy the NPG show because I, I felt like I had to sit and take notes everywhere that I went, and I guess um, yeah. the, the I can't remember the guy that runs management, uh, stage manager for uh, NPG. He saw me writing down each one of the songs, and by the time I was like six songs into it, he realized what I was doing, and he pulled uh, pulled a set mm-hmm. list, and he gave it to me, and he was just like, just just use this, yeah. much easier, just enjoy the show, and I was like, ah. Great, thank you. So, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, because like Prince would always say, you know, enjoy, you know, be in the moment, and it's hard to do that when you when you are in your role where you're trying to record it all to come back and tell us or tell folks that have never been. It's it's daunting. Yeah, it's it's quite an undertaking. I mean, I I try to enjoy myself, but I I really kind of there is a lot of passion and enjoyment for me to kind of be documenting some of the things that are going on and, and how it's happening. So, um, and, and I know that, you know, a lot of things that I do interviews and stuff that, that I do, I, I'm, I'm also doing for documentation of what's happening. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne's actually, you know, uh, referenced some of the interviews and stuff that I've done to kind of, you know, fill in some, some holes and things and things that people say. And, uh, so I, I think it's more for me, I, I take pride in the documentation part of it because somebody has to do it. Um, and I think that's just, yeah. I think that's just like super important, um, to kind of make sure that everything is there because when I'm dead and gone, whenever that may be, um, there's going to be so much material, so much, so many interviews that I've done. I mean, so, so many things that I've, I've been able to document and I've, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important to kind of leave something behind and, and just like as Prince has done for us, I think it's also important to kind of make sure that, you know, anything that's worth documenting and leaving behind, then do that because that's going to be, that's your legacy. That's what you have left and what, what yeah. you have, what exists after you leave. <laughs> that's got to be it. Right. And of course you've got, you've got a waterproof, uh, airtight vault, right? Uh, now, now. In, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah uh, not really. It's on a computer. I, I, t- I told people, I, I kind of told my, my daughter, I said, you know, here's how you get into my computer. If I die, don't let, don't let your, don't let your mama put this computer to goodwill. <laughs> you got to get all this stuff off know, of it first. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much for calling in. I appreciate it. And uh, are you? Uh, yeah. Anything you'd like to see next year? Um, probably the same thing that you're saying. As long as they go into the deep cuts, 
that's what's going to bring the hardcore fans back. And we're the ones who are buying everything in the Paisley merch. We are the ones who are buying. Do, do you realize how many people bought uh, both tracks one and two? There were people that bought tracks one and two, and they stay there from uh, 11 a.m. in the morning till 10 p.m. at night. Pass. So you've got to recognize, <laughs> they've got to recognize, yeah, and one guy I can think is Bruce Anani. He stays there the whole four days from sunup to sundown. So they've got to realize they got that level of people returning um and it's got to be special it's got to be different they got to rotate in and out it, it was i don't know if you mentioned this but it was so pleasing to see the cars because i had written paisley the first time i went there in 2016 and i'm just like well where can we go down to the garage and see the cars and they're just like nope and you keep writing them and they make changes whatever is, I will say they do listen. They they have been listening because I kept saying the chairs last year were crappy, and sure enough, they bought a few new chairs to sit on. So it literally is Prince's dream. What he left for us, and Wendy said it, and I can't remember if he said it, but she said he left all of this for us. So when we write into Paisley, they do listen and they do make changes because they realize this is different than Elvis. Everything right. that Prince did is just like the first album. He he did it for you. He did it for us. So they are listening. I hope they continue to listen. Um, and I thought this year, and it took me a long time to get to this point, uh, I thought 2017 was the best celebration, you know, without him, because I never did the 2000, 2001. But this year, I have to give it to them. They stepped the game up, even with how they fed us. I mean, you sit down, eat your salad, and then they call your roll, and then you go up and you get your vegan food, and you sit down, and then they had all kinds of purple cake and this and that and the other, and we were just like, this is really nice. So they they really uh, listened to us, because I was just like, oh, the vegan food is horrible. And this year, oh, my God, they, they really stepped it up. Yeah, I think so, they brought in um, um, they brought in his chef from um, California. So she was actually the one that was putting together. The yeah, food this I year. saw her. Yeah, yeah, so. I saw her too. Yeah, and it made it made all the difference in the world. So um, just it, I have a girlfriend who always will say when we want to take a girls' trip, we we have a few girlfriends that will say, "I don't have the money." You have the money. You will put the money where you want it to go. And I will say to everyone listening, this is just like if you were Muslim and you needed to make that pilgrimage to Mecca. Paisley Park is our pilgrimage. If you need to put away $10 per week, you need to do it. Right. It is a once in a lifetime, and I don't like saying bucket list, but uh, you know, this particular time, you you got to do it. You got to experience what this man had even before Tyler Perry. You know, this man had a sixty five hundred square foot 
building that he built. He bought uh, he bought the Purple Rain House. He bought everything, knowing that we would want to come there and go. Well, where's Andre Simone's mom's house? Where's this? He was forward thinking at, at at an early age. So how do you not pay homage? Uh, uh, yeah. How do you not pay homage to someone? who did all this so that we could have it. I remember seeing that footage with him uh, at First Avenue. And he was very hyper, and he told the audience, I'm hyped up, I'm excited. He says, one day I'm going to have something like this, even if I have to die trying to get it. Who Who knows that that early on, that young? You have to know something about yourself or know the fact that the people down there in the audience want to experience whatever it is he's putting out there. And so when you don't set aside the money and save and use your frequent wire miles, do whatever you need to do, put guests in, in a tank, pedal to the metal and get there, you need to get there at least once. You owe it to him. He did all of this for us. Get it done. Yep. Well, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> well, that's great. No, it's all, it's all, as I said before, it's just setting a goal in mind, understanding what that goal is and figuring out the steps to get to it. If you put 20 bucks a week aside, by, by the time mm-hmm. a year comes around, you have a time, you have enough money to get the VIP pass for your, before the for 20 bucks a week. I mean, yeah. I know it's a lot of money, but you know. Or about or buy or buy both of the tracks because a lot of what you were saying I didn't get in my track too, and so now I see why some of the people buy both tracks. It was five hundred dollars times two, and it's a thousand. But they sit there and they just rotate through, and they they never miss anything because some of the people you named in track one I didn't have in track two, so it's worth it. I think next year I may buy both tracks. Who did who did you have in track two that uh, who that I did not mention? Who did you have in track well, two? Well, we had for the um, for uh, uh, MPG. We actually had Kirk. We had Kirk. We had Chance Howard. Um, uh, oh my gosh! One of the horn players. And I'm forgetting the fourth person, God help me. But, I mean, we had different people, and then I even heard that Tamar showed up for one of the, the panels. So it just depends on, on who you had. And then when Wendy was singing, um, sometimes it snows in April, I believe, Omar came up on stage and, and kissed her. You know, he kissed her, uh, her cheek. And at that point, folks just lost it. You know, that, that was it. So, yeah, I mean, there's people that you have that I didn't have. Yeah, I think um, it, it's, it is one of those things. I mean, you know, that's one of the points of contention that some of the people don't, uh, uh, I, I guess, is happening. Kirk, Kirk does, the Funk Soldiers is Kirk's thing. Um, but Kirk also played with mm-hmm. uh, NPG. And I think that's kind of one of the, the the conflicts that's happening with NPG not being able to to you know kind of get into the Paisley Park mix is I, I think there's something I I don't this is all hearsay but a lot of people say you know that's what's kind of what's going on there's a bunch of you know it's it's the whole the time versus the original seven F Deluxe versus the family it's it's just it's 
it's a bunch of right. it's a bunch of silliness and um i mean i get it i get it well uh, but, but, but mtg but but in, yeah but mtg played in 2017 so i mean they were there it's, it's not as if they didn't get to play but i see what you're saying they should be able to to, to do their own but they did at least get to do their whole show in 2017 yeah, I'd like to say I thought I'd dig up that set list and kind of see what they did, but because I, I I like it when these bands dig deep, like NPG dug deep, and the Funk Soldiers dug deep. Yeah. I, I like oh that, God. you know. So that's that's kind of what I appreciate the most out of um, you know. I would have loved to have seen, you know, do, you know, the the Revolution doing you know some a lot of deeper cuts instead of just playing just playing the hits right. to, the, to the folks. I think that you know. There's so much stuff on around the world in the day that they could have played, and it's just you know. So cool. Yeah, I think it's taken the revolution um, a little bit to get in sync. They were not as good as 2017, but you know everything was fresh and new. And so this time around, I saw a little more synergy. And just like you said, by the time Sylvie comes on stage and Brown Mark, see, I got to see Brown Mark here with Maserati when they were filming their promo. Yeah, I was you there too. There. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah there. you I was were there. there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And even Brown Mark is getting better and better and better just with everything. His stage presence, boy, his clothes, oh my God, he was dressed to the nines. Yeah, it's just amazing. Well, I think the problem with the revolution that that started at the beginning is because you know Prince was the leader of that band, and so you know they right. kind of got up on yeah. on stage, and you know they they look at the leader for those signals and those and those you know mm-hmm. those moments yeah. where you know you you those parts where you don't normally sing, and so they they have to revamp everything yeah. that they did. You know where he's not the, the focal point, and it's it's that's a, quite an undertaking. It's a lot. I'm glad they pulled it off. Thank you yeah, so much for was... calling, dear. Thank you so much. I appreciate it All so right. much. But uh, let me know and, and make sure you email me. Let me know anything that I definitely missed because you know I I'm interested to hear some of those little pieces too. This really cool stuff. Will do. Will do. All right. Thanks, hon. All right. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. Bye. So I am curious, um, I am curious if anybody is out there that has not gone to, um, that has not gone to the celebration and for the reasonings, why is it? Why is it that you haven't gone to the Revel- to, to, to Paisley Park? I'm going to turn that down while there's nobody there. Uh, why is it that you haven't gone to Paisley Park? Is there a specific reason? I know I've heard some people say, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. Okay. Um, I understand that. I, I totally understand that because there were some, some moments like for instance, when the revolution came on, um, and, uh, she started playing, um, she broke out her guitar, uh, Wendy that is, and she was saying how difficult of a song that it was that she was about to do. And she was in Atlanta when she did that, she broke into sometimes it snows in April and that song, uh, really tore me, tore into me pretty hard. Uh, but then she broke in, but for the celebration, they broke into Purple Rain, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's just, some songs some songs get me more than others. Um, uh, Condition of the Heart gets to me. Uh, I love you, but I don't trust you anymore. 
that gets to me. Sometimes it snows in April, even though it's kind of been like a little bit of overplayed type of thing. That still gets to me. It's it still gets to me. I just I can't I can't describe it. It just still gets to me. Um, old friends for sale. That's another one that's rough, rough for me to listen to. Uh, I think it's, it's most of the songs that have those that minor chord uh, thing that he did so well. He he just he played those black keys like nobody else. It's just uh, it's something that's just not there. Anybody else has been to the Rev- been to the celebration this year? Um, that what did you like? What things did I not mention that you were like, oh man, he should have mentioned that. If you have something you want to share, or if you haven't been to the celebration and you have a reasoning why I I'd like to hear what that reasoning why. And if, and if, and if Paisley Park is listening, they, you know, they may make that adjustment. Is it, is it because of the band selection? Is it because of the panels? Uh, one of the things with the panels is, is that you don't know who the panels are until after you've already purchased the tickets. So there's no, that part is always a surprise. Matter of fact, when we were doing the pre celebration show and we were kind of talking about, um, we were talking about, who the panels were going to be. And we were kind of making an assumption about, you know, who the panels are going to be. And, and we made the correct assumption that they were going to be talking a little bit about management with Bob Cavallo. Uh, I think I put Jeff Katz in that mix for some stupid reason. I, for, I, I don't know why Jeff is like one of these strange characters where he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like to put himself out there. He's just like, you know, he doesn't like to brag about, Oh, I work with Prince and, you know, ride that coattail type of thing. He's very reserved and, 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 so it was really cool to kind of hear him a little bit too. It was just very cool. Um, anyways, um, so if if you have not been to the celebration, why? What's the reasoning besides any and any other reason besides I can't handle it? Um, it's because the reality of it is it's it's been three years, and I guess I probably could grasp that if you've never ever been to paisley park and it's your first time to paisley park and you're going in and it's the first time you're kind of in his house and you're feeling his spirit and that's kind of been that's that's going to be too much for you i i I get that but is there a particular reason from a uh from a point of view such as um try to to find a, a, a better a, the best way to say this um is there something that you're annoyed with that the celebration is doing, whatever that reasoning may be? Do you feel like this is just a situation where it's just thieves in the temple and you're just not, you're just not down with this whole deal? Because the reality of it is, the, the truth of the matter is, is that if Paisley Park goes down, there's a lot of things that go down with it. So it's very important that we continue to support everything that Paisley Park is doing. A lot of the things that we're not happy with, um, I actually had to come a little bit of a... Um, uh, a meeting with myself um, where I was complaining a lot about some of the releases that were, were being out. It's like, stop releasing these greatest hits, stop releasing stuff that we've kind of seen over and over. But there's so much new music that's in there. I really, really, really want to hear it. And somebody had said, Oh, that phone number, I'm sorry. 831-777-3865. Again, that's 831-777-FUNK. 831-777-FUNK. That's 3865 if you can't handle the letters. Um, but uh, somebody had said, well, the reason why they release the, the, the songs the way that they do is primarily because they want to sell as much albums as they possibly can. So they don't want to just cater to us 
who are the hardcore fans that that will buy anything that comes out and everything that comes out but they're also wanting to capitalize on those not this is not really the right term but it's one i'm going to use fair weather fans the fans that are out there that are kind of only know the hits uh if you tell them about you know a, a, a deep cut you know they hear the ballad of dorothy parker and they've never heard that song before you know they, they've heard They've heard songs off. They've heard "You Got the Look." And they've heard uh, "Side of the Times." They've heard some songs, but you know, so the whatever they release has got to kind of cater to both of those audiences. That the the fact that they're releasing originals is kind of a it's kind of a good call in that regard. But I think that's their last uh, one trick pony to speak of more than anything else because. Uh, that's gonna have that's gonna highlight a bunch of songs that people have heard from other artists and it puts this spin on it but these are prince songs and prince is actually singing them so it's, you've got that spin so that's actually cool um and i think that's really neat how um how they're doing that so i i, I it's a good call and there's a lot of songs on this album too so it's definitely i i would imagine it's going to be a double album because it's quite a bit of music on that uh on that album and it seems like it seems like you can only do this on because vinyl only has a certain time period that you can do. I don't think that they can fit all of those songs on one uh, album, so it's going to have to be a double album. And I'm curious if the deluxe edition they're going to be releasing in July is going to be any different than what the standard release of the new Prince Originals album is going to be. Is it going to be any different? I don't know. Are they going to add more cuts to it? Uh, maybe some lost cuts, maybe some things that we're not, we don't see. I really loved the idea of the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition. I thought it was great. It fed to those people who are those, you know, uh, you know, not your, your, your everyday fans who love Purple Rain and have a lot of memories of Purple Rain, but it also fed us too because we got a whole entire, you know, a, a couple CDs that was full of a bunch of great new music. Uh, that you know, Velvet Kitty Cat and Katrina's Paper Dolls and things like that that we had not heard, and a good studio version of the Hallway Speech version of of Computer Blue and things like that. Those are all great stuff that we all want to hear and have to hear. Uh, so I thought that the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition was a great. Uh, it was it was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, we got another call coming in here from the five one three area code. Who is on the line? Welcome to Funkatopia. You still there? Hi. Hey. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hi, hear you now. Chris. Hey. Okay, great. I met, I'm, hi. I met you on the bus after track one. I want to say thank you for turning me on to your your show here. I love it. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm calling in to, in case Paisley's out there listening, what they can improve, because everything was fantastic, except the food. I have to say, the food. <laughs> it's something so totally I, I, different. I, I, <laughs> I am pescatarian, and I have no good uh, vegetarian food, but um, the pizza with the soggy crackers, <laughs> uh, uh, the green beans that were like with just squash instead of green beans, so I think that Paisley can 
an improved, and the grilled cheese, which I love the grilled cheese when I go there, the brie and the gouda and the honey and the apples, I love that, but like, they serve the ciabatta bread with the greasy, low standard um, cheddar cheese, whatever that was on there, so that was below par for me, and they were, oh, it was way overpriced for that, that food, so that's my two cents on what they can improve on. Yeah, I, I would have to, I would, otherwise, yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that, um, uh, I would definitely have to agree with that particular part of it because I'm going to pull you down just for a second, uh, just because uh, got a lot of air. Uh, the um, the the thing is, is that you're right. It is a very expensive, like a grilled cheese. How much was the grilled cheese sandwich? It was like fourteen dollars or twelve dollars, oh, and it was geez. not. It was not the brie and, and the gouda, and I hand it to you on the plate, and I'm like, I hate doing that, but, like, I'm sending that back, okay? I'm not, no. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have to agree that, that I would have to agree that um, that a, a 12 bucks for a, a grilled cheese sandwich is very excessive, uh, and, and I it, there's nothing really, you know, too special that's really kind of going on with, with the food. I, I didn't, I managed to kind of stay out of the whole... Uh, I ate before I went, and then I would just kind of either sit in on an extra session while I was instead of going to lunch, or I would, you know, grab one of those Rice Krispie treats, or just grab something to drink if I just needed to kind of sit down and kind of gather all my notes and together. So I, I, I avoided eating there, but I did see some of the stuff that they offered to uh, the VIP people. Like I think the first day that we were there, the second day they were there, they actually had like this Indian type of uh, this this curry dish or something, and it looked it looked it smelled amazing, and it looked really good uh but you know i understand that the vip folks may get you know they get the buffet option where they can kind of go back as many times as they want they can get as many drinks as they want and all that stuff and and that's fine i can accept that particular part of it uh but the fact that you're serving a totally different level of food to the vip people i'm okay paying for paying for you know a, a better quality food that, that that i'm okay with but you know to not be given the options and the options that you're giving me are a, a, a piece of a, a piece of pizza uh rice crispy treat that's it's not even a normal rice crispy treat it's this gluten-free oh rice crispy treat that doesn't even stay together it falls apart right <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just think there's there's some things that's just it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's not. Um, I didn't eat any of the salads. I know that. Um, well, she was on the VIP. That that was a thing that that she said. Cassandra was on there before. Uh, she was saying that the um, that they she had the VIP, so they had great food. We the, the the general mission people did not have good food at all. It was not. No, no, I totally, I, I totally agree. I, I took with someone else. Uh, I don't know if you followed Prince's friend on his YouTube channel, but I speak with him every once in a while, and um, he he disagrees with me on the food thing. But, but of course, he had like you said, he had the uh, the meal pass, which they ate the same thing as the VIP, and uh, so he disagreed with me on, on that. But like, yeah, for the GA people to pay, pay that enormous rate for that. Um, uh, was just ridiculous. But otherwise, I swear I had the best. I'm still glowing. I'm still glowing from every, not just the people, the performers who played, not just the interviews that were played, but the entire, just the Purple family, the, brother, the Purple brothers and sisters are just all about love 
and that was spectacular. I don't get that back here where I live now. You know, I'm, people think I'm crazy. Well, you know, whatever they want to think. But <laughs> I, I just enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed all you guys. I enjoyed meeting you, Chris. I don't know if you remember me or not, but I was on the bus next to you. I mentioned yes. about your blue notebook. Yes. Yeah, you were saying, is that a moleskin yeah. notebook? And I was like, no, that's not. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's me. Yeah, that's yes. me. <laughs> and you're like, no, that's so cheap one. <laughs> well, well, I just want to call and put my two cents in. I hope Paisley's out there hearing, hearing this. But uh, other than that, like, I enjoyed, I got a dance on stage. It was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you for turning me on to your ch- channel. Have a good night, Chris. All right, you too. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, all right. Bye-bye. All right, bye. So, you know, and I think we, we've heard that, you know, uh, in regards to the the whole scenario with the food that was there. Uh, if you're in the general mission, you get you get a whole other level of, of food that the VIP people or the people with meal passes do because, I mean, it, it, it literally is a very... Uh, the food that they offer that level is totally different, completely different than what you'll experience uh, on on our level. Um, our level is grilled cheese sandwiches and you know uh, the dry pizza and uh, rice crispy treats that don't that just fall apart. That it's it's not it's like it's like kind of like a peanut butter flavored dirt <laughs> with chocolate. It's like not yeah. I would agree that the the food selection is not great at all it's just not um you know when we would when my uh my friend rob and i visited paisley park uh not outside of a celebration we were kind of doing it in, a, in another uh realm we were um we were there to kind of do the tour and that was it that was it was before it was not during a celebration and uh, they had pancakes and they had all this phenomenal 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 food and uh, it was great. I mean, it was it was really, really good. I'm glad that everybody had a good time, though. I mean, from the actual sessions themselves, from the bands that played and from the panels and everything else, I wish that they wouldn't be so secretive about the panels because I really feel like that's a great selling point for them to kind of say, hey, we're going to be doing Graffiti Bridge and there's going to be a bunch of people. I think there's an actual fear that they are going to be um, – there's a fear that people aren't going to think that that's not – good enough they feel like oh that's what we're gonna say eh. and kind of leave the surprise element out of it because the surprise is that you know maybe it's not as great as you think it is and and that's not but that's not the case at all i don't think that is, i really honestly do not feel like that that is that is the case at all um and uh and this is uh so i want to so what, here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna drop i'm gonna drop the phone line right now we're gonna we're gonna drop the phone line and uh that's the beep that you're going to hear. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to end this particular part of the show. I'm just going to play the uh, play our my favorite part. Oh, it didn't do it. That's a shame. Oh well. So um, yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to kind of close with uh, close with an email I just got from Carrie Martinez. And I'm going to read this email. It says, thank you so much for your recaps for the celebration. I'm one of those diehard, quotes, diehard fans, people that hasn't been, wants to, but doesn't have the financial resources to do so. I was able to visit Paisley Park last June and October, and I'm hoping to go to the celebration, well, she said, for 2020. 
Uh, I'm 60 years old, the same as Prince would have been. I went to UCLA from 1976 to 1980. My sophomore year, I got an apartment with a friend I met in a class. She dated a guy named David Elland, a saxophonist from Minneapolis. He brought us a demo copy of For You, which she still has, and told us about Prince. We listened and were instantly hooked. David is mentioned in the book The Rise of Prince by Alex Hahn and Laura Tibbert. I was just wondering if you've ever heard of him and his relationship or lack thereof with Prince. Uh, and, and to be answering your question, no, I have not. I'm just so grateful that he introduced us to Prince's music. It positively changed my life. Thanks for letting me share my how I came to know Prince story. Take care. Uh, you're on my donation list. Should I come up with a large sum of money? Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Carrie, for all this kind words. I really appreciate it. And I, I wanted to kind of use this opportunity to kind of share what was going on with the celebration and what happened with the celebration, uh, some of the really cool things that happened with the celebration. And also just to kind of, you know, make sure that, you know, you guys were all taken care of because I know that I did a celebration track uh, day one recap that's already out there floating around video and everything else. Uh, and I, I know, I knew that I had to cover these last two days, uh, these last three days, uh, but it was, it, was it, the time was just not coming. So I just decided, let's just make the Funkatopia live this Tuesday, a full recap of all four days and kind of go through and, uh, try to, you know, make sure that we're covering all four days in one nice little neat package. And, uh, so that all being said, um, this broadcast, if you wanted to listen to it or re-listen to it or whatever, all you got to do is become a member of Patreon at patreon.com slash Funkatopia. That's P as in Paul, A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Funkatopia, F-U-N-K-A-T-O-P-I-A, Funkatopia. Uh, and you will be able to, to get early because this broadcast will be reposted on Patreon tomorrow, but it won't see life on Funkatopia for at least another two or three weeks. That's kind of how these things work. Uh, Patreon gets a bunch of stuff that other folks do not. And um, that's just kind of, I'm sorry, that's just the way that it is. We have to support, make sure we definitely take care of our supporters. And uh, so this will be posted tomorrow on uh, Patreon. So if you want to listen to it, just head there and you can be listened to it from there. Uh, we're going to finish up here because we're creeping up on the 11 o'clock hour. One of the things that uh, is very, very important and is, you know, needs to be noted is that we have an hour left of uh, an all prints hour. It finishes up the, the Prince broadcast. We will be going back to our normal, our normal broadcast schedule, which is from 6 to 12 both 6 to 12, 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. to 12 a.m. We play Prince and all Prince and all Prince protégés. Everything from 12 to 6 is pretty much like 40 to 50% Prince anyways. So if you're a huge fan of Prince, you just stay tuned right here, right where you're at, and you're going to get a healthy, healthy dose. And we dig deep in all the tracks. We are ASCAP licensed as well. So we make sure that we make sure that we're doing things legally and correctly with the artist. And that is obviously one of the most important things that uh, that we that we do. But thank you so, so much for tuning in because uh, it's important. It is definitely important that you continue supporting us here. And uh, we definitely appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Funkatopia Live and uh, you know here we are 
Hope you guys will tune in again sometime soon, and uh, we will talk shortly. Next Tuesday, maybe. Maybe I'll have an album chat, maybe not. Meanwhile, thank you for tuning in. This broadcast is in no way affiliated with Paisley Park or the estate of Prince Rogers Nelson yet. Thank you for tuning in. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Adios, amigas and amigos. We will talk shortly.